This is the Lotox Life Podcast. If all the birds could fly right now, as high as me somehow, they could see all the things I've been dreaming of. These wings of mine flutter inside, they shimmy and they glide, breaking forth, crack the shell from this clockwork light. Hello and welcome to the Low Tux Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show 267 and the first of our shows for 2022. Happy New Year. Uh, I know some of you have yet to celebrate the New Year in different cultures and it's around the corner, but I know uh, everyone was pretty desperate for a fresh start, a new leaf, a chapter, closed perhaps, opened. Who knows where this year is going to take us, but I do know what I can control is that this podcast will be really good and worth your time, and I want to thank you for rejoining me this year for our seventh year of the show. We have some wonderful experts on the cards this year, but also some wonderful stories from you, listeners. Uh, if you have any revelatory experiences in changing some various aspect of leading a low-tox life, whether it be home, food, body, mind, something for the planet, uh, and you have uh, an experience that you want to share, I want to hear from you. I want to share the voices of listeners and also answer more of your questions this year. That's something I'm going to be using the podcast for, to actually answer listener questions. Uh, I've always struggled with how to do this in a way that would help the most amount of people. And uh, obviously one person can't answer um, 60,000 podcast listeners a month's questions individually, but I'm going to pick some out that come out commonly and answer them right here in the show, uh, making the intros a little bit longer um, and the shows a little bit shorter so that we have some practical how-to all throughout the year as well. So I'm very much looking forward to that. Um, Today is a show with a, a wonderful woman, a, a great uh, colleague that I've known in entrepreneurial circles for, gosh, over a decade now, Lorraine Murphy, and we're talking about stepping into yourself. Uh, Lorraine unapologetically writes for women, so sorry to our few low-tox blokes who listen to the show, but I reckon you will appreciate some of the things we're talking about here today as well, uh, especially in the topsy-turvy modern life where definitions are blurred, um, roles have changed, uh, and we're all trying to ensure that we honour ourselves and um, find senses of, of purpose, gratitude, energy, uh, and flow in what we do and bringing our best selves to this lifetime. And we have a great conversation about that today. So Lorraine has a new book called Step Into You, and this is by no means an endless book promo where you don't get any gold and you're constantly referred to the book. You guys know I don't like to do that with authors. Uh, but what it will be is uh, some really fantastic personal anecdotes mixed in with absolute gold drawn straight from the book. So she's sharing some of those uh, 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 truths and truth bombs that uh, unfortunately stop us from sometimes really feeling like we're our authentic selves. And I just know you're going to love it. Such a great show, great conversation and tons of useful information that you can put into practice for this new year ahead. 
Uh, we have one fantastic offer from Coolzy, C-O-O-L-Z-Y, coolzy.com.au is the website, and you have 50% off the tent um, with every Coolzy purchase. Now, what on earth is Coolzy and why would you want 50% off the tent? <laughs> well, it is a revolutionary product uh, of, of which I actually interviewed the founder, the inventor last year, Dr. Um, Professor James Trevelyan. And basically what it is, it's a portable air conditioning unit, needs no water, no exhaust hoses, there's no installation or mess. Uh, You can be cool and comfortable wherever you are, uh, even outside in sheltered spaces. Uh, And if you are considering the Coolsy for your bedroom, then you can, um, you get 50% off the tent that actually goes around your bed and keeps you guys or you yourself in there nice and cool uh, inside a tent for the hottest parts of the year. Um, if so, for a couple of months, you might want to put the tent up. Uh, and it's a pretty cool little contraption. But what it means is not only are you cooling yourselves rather than your whole building and your built-in cupboards and, uh, you know, everything in the house, but you're actually just focusing on cooling yourself. Uh, James talks about the fact that we call people, not buildings, and uh, that makes it very energy efficient. Uh, But it's also in its design, something so ingenious that you save 75% on cooling costs. Most of the reasons we would feel tired and exhausted in the hottest months of the year is because we haven't had a great deep sleep because we're not comfortable Uh, overnight. I absolutely know that to be true for anyone who's tried to sleep without any kind of fan or anything in February in Sydney. Uh, And any of my East Coast friends even further up north are going to say, oh, you think Sydney's bad? So um, Coolsy is fantastic. So you're saving money on your cooling costs, about 75%. It's convenient. It's light. You can move it around uh, 17 kilograms. Um, and uh, a really great solution for home office or smaller bedrooms as well. And really great because it still allows fresh air to circulate, uh, unlike air conditioning units where they often get um, clogged up with mould um, because you're trying to create a bubble environment where everything's closed up. Coolsy is really about cooling the individual. And so if you want to check it out, you get free shipping across Australia and 50% off the tent with your Coolsy purchase. Your code is LOWTOX uh, and I'm a huge fan, coolsy.com.au. All the details are also in the show notes. And now, without a moment to lose, for us to feel our best selves in 2022, I hope you enjoy this animated, candid conversation full of gold with myself and the wonderful author, Lorraine Murphy. Hello, Lorraine. How are you? Hi. Hi. I'm excited for doing this. Thank you for having me. I know. We're doing a little swapsie because I was on your show last year. And yeah, thank you first guest of the year, which I'm very excited about. Thank you. Namely because of what we're jumping into today, which is talking all about really stepping into ourselves, your new book, Step Into You. Um, And I don't want to just make this a book promo because I actually really like this topic for a beginning of year topic. It was like, oh, how perfect is that, right? Yeah, it really is. (laughs) Yeah. So 
Um, that's coming out, obviously, and probably out. Yeah, it'll be out. We're saying Jan, but really it's late December. You know, by the time it actually hits bookshelves, we're just okay. giving ourselves Jan. But by the time this airs, it, it will be out. Fabulous. Already. People yeah. can grab it. And the audiobook it. will be out as well. I do the audiobook and the print at the same time. Oh, amazing. Uh, and and I guess there, there are probably a lot of reasons why you felt that this was going to be where you wanted your fourth book to go. Um, but I want to really talk about the theme of stepping into ourselves or being disconnected from ourselves because I think that's what's interesting uh, about exploring this topic in general and how on earth we can be us and yet not be us at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> and I know I have been this in waves in my own life. Yeah. It's a good way of describing it, actually, my dear, that idea of waves, because it does come in waves, doesn't it? We have It really does. Waves where everything feels like aligned and we're in ourselves and we're in the driving seat of lives. And then we have waves of our life and then there's waves where it feels the opposite. So, yeah, mm. I love to describe that. It's a beautiful mm. analogy. Oh, good. So I'm a good student of the book. And can then. I just touch on that, actually, as well, because it just sparked something yeah. in my mind. What I love about the wave idea is if we're sitting by the ocean watching the waves come on, we know that even if the wave's going out, and maybe that's the equivalent of us having that sense of disconnection from ourselves, that we know the wave's coming back in, you know? So it's not to, I guess, wig out when we do have that sense of disconnection, that we know that it, we can come back with the right tools and the, the right giving ourselves the right kind of space, we, we can come back to ourselves. So I love that. Thank you. Mm. I'm going to steal that. Yeah, I do. <laughs> so they'll trust the process, Chestnut. Yeah. Yeah. So how do we know we're not us? You know, how do we know that tide is rolling out and we're not all of a sudden not feeling in the driver's seat? That's probably one of the biggest signs is we might be more reactive than proactive perhaps. But you talk about a lot of ways that we can identify these periods in our lives when, um, when they come up. Um, what are some of the signs that you like to focus in on in your own process of self-analysis, working with clients? Mm. Well, I think the big thing that we need to remember as women is, and, and I know all of your audience won't be women, but I think the majority of the readers of this are going mm -hmm. to be female. We are highly intuitive. Like women know, like we know when things aren't quite right. Just like we know if we're parents, we know that there's something not quite right with our kids. So I think the first symptom, so to say, so to speak, would be that sense of like, I just feel a bit meh or a bit stuck or just that sense of um, like life's not flowing as easily as it could or has done in the past. I think that's the first thing. The second thing is, and I've got a whole chapter on this in the book as well, that whole sense of when we're out of alignment with ourselves, that our bodies are often the first. I feel like the universe can be kind of whispering out and saying, hey, this isn't right, Lorraine, or this isn't right, Alex, and we can push it down and ignore it. Mm. And I've talked in the book about the the feather, the brick, and the truck. I don't know if you've heard that idea. Yeah, yeah. So, but please yeah. share it now because yeah, people so, are probably so first like, what of all, the heck does that mean? Yeah, if something's out of alignment, right, or we've got that sense of disconnection with ourselves, which kind of they're one and the same idea, really, that first of all, we'll get a feather, which is like a little tickle. And you know yourself with a feather, you can just brush it away. And then if we continue to keep doing whatever it is we're doing, whether it's working too hard or not eating the right food or maybe pursuing relationships that don't serve us anymore or just being really out of, out of touch with ourselves, if we ignore it, we'll get it, we'll get a brick. And the brick kind of stuns us. It maybe makes us stop for a day or two, but we can keep going. And then if we still keep going on what we're doing, then we get a truck, which is when we're, we're literally put on our backs for, for weeks or months. And I feel like that's a really helpful one for me to remember because it's, it's, it helps me be more in tune and help my, helps me listen to those feathers more. 
So when they do constantly drop in, it's like, okay, I need to make some changes here. And, and in the book, I step through, <laughs> I call it a slow crash out rather than a burnout for me over a period of two years where I can see in retrospect where I was ignoring the feathers and where I pushed through the bricks. And in the end, I got, I got a couple of pretty big trucks, which then forced me <laughs> to really look at my life and where things were going. <laughs> so I think our body, I, first of all, we can have that sense of those universal urge hunches. But the other thing as well is our bodies will often communicate to us when, when things are out of alignment. So we might get a recurring pain in our left shoulder, for example. Mm. And I really love Louise Hayes work where she talks about how every symptom we have, whether it's mental, I'm sure you've talked about this on the show at points before, every symptom we have, whether it's a mental, mental symptom or a physical symptom, it relates back to some kind of a, a negative belief or a, a, an experience that we're holding on to. So I know for me, I had a, an issue with um, a female relative a couple of weeks ago. And it wasn't a major thing. It was just something I was upset about. And I could feel my left shoulder straight away was so sore. And when I looked at Louise Hayes' work, I, I know that left your shoulders are all about burden. And the left-hand side of our body is our feminine side. And the right-hand side of our body is, is our masculine side or our relationship with a man. So I knew that that left shoulder thing was going on. It was something relating back to that relationship. So I said the affirmation in the Louise Hay book, focused on my shoulder, and then the pain just, just melted away. So I think there's a few different signs. I could probably talk about that for two hours, as you can imagine. But there's yeah. lots of different signs. And I think the key thing is just to create that spaciousness for ourselves to hear that those whispers when they do drop in or to actually listen to our bodies rather than just pushing through when things aren't working out. Mm, okay, so that's bringing up the question around fear and doubt then because you might hear a little feather and let's just say uh, and this has happened to me in my work life a couple of times over the decades now where the feather is this really just isn't right for you this is quite toxic yet you know whatever it could be a relationship could be anything um, but you know in the case of work perhaps you're relying on that paycheck or um you know, you can't see the wood from the trees as to what the future might look like if this thing wasn't there. Uh, and and then there's the reality of, um, you know, some women perhaps you know, or men in toxic relationships or like maybe relying on that partner for income and then what's that going to look like if that person's not there. Jumping into those unknowns can bring up a huge amount of fear and then it can bring up the whole, oh, but it's not that bad. I'm lucky to have a job or I'm lucky to have this relationship, all that kind of stuff. How do we start to unpack that for ourselves uh, and start to recognise the feather before the truck but also um, act on it in such a way that helps us set ourselves up for something that really does feel a lot more congruent, even if it is the complete unknown? Like, mm. That's huge. That's yeah, I love love that you've asked that question. And and as you were talking through that question, I just had that visual of I think it's it's a meme or a quote that goes around. It's you know take the leap and find your wings on the way down. Like mm. yeah, <laughs> that's so scary. I, I skydived once and holy crap, I could not relax until that that bloody parachute finally opened up. And I'm like, okay, okay, we're not going to crash into the ground. But you're right, it's terrifying, and particularly if. If, as you say, we, we do go into that mindset of or that that internal dialogue of it's not that bad. And Glennon Doyle talks about this in yes. her book and the fact that women. One of the most way... terrifying books I've ever read, isn't oh, it? No. So arresting. Fronting, yeah. is it? Yes. Yeah. Arresting is a beautiful word. You're so right. And, you know, she talks about the idea that 
one of the ways that women talk themselves out of having the life that they dream of, you know, well, you know, I should be grateful. Like women get taught to be grateful. Like, well, I'm glad that even if the relationship isn't amazing, at least he, you know, pay, helps me pay the bills. You know, you talked about that example of financial support. So I think the first thing to do is, is to accept that it is, it is terrifying and to, I love the idea of meeting yourself where you are when you're having that experience, you know, not trying to wish it a different way. Like I should be confident or if I read this book, you know, that person who wrote that book was really, really confident and they made this leap or my best mate just started her own business and it was okay for her. So I think it's just meeting ourselves where we are and accepting that that's, that's where it is. The other thing I think as well is to, I know, I know for me, I do a lot of one-on-one mentoring and invariably I'd say 90% of the people that I work with, mostly women, when I say, what does success look like for you from this work together? 90% of them will say it's clarity. So clarity on, on what it is. So they'll say clarity and they'll also say a roadmap to get me there. So I think the first thing is to really, I talk a lot about spaciousness, but creating that space to, to get clarity on what it is you do want. I, there's two ways we can be motivated to, to make changes. It can be the, the stick where like the pain gets so bad <laughs> that we have to make some changes. And for me, that came in the, the, the shape of a really, really big financial shock at the early, in early 2018. And the pain was so bad after the two years after that of the, the kind of the negative money story that I got into that I had to make changes. But the other way that we can be motivated to make change is, is the, the carrot, you know, the, there's something more exciting that I'm moving towards. So I think the first thing is if we've, I love that word congruence, if we realize that something isn't congruent with where we're at in our life right now, it's to, to, to meet ourselves where we are, to accept that, but then also to start allowing ourselves the space to daydream as to what, what would we like to move towards? What would we like instead? Because the universe is, is very, very magical. It's happened so many times with mentees where We've created something, a plan for them, whether it's around landing a really big new client or I know one mentee I'm working with at the moment wanted to build her profile. She'd never done a podcast interview. She's never hosted any webinars, anything like that. And we set the intention and the goal that she was going to to create an opportunity for herself to have three podcast interviews. And I think within 24 hours of that session, she sent me a text saying, oh my God, I just landed my first podcast interview. So I think there's a blend of accepting what we don't want in our lives anymore, but then creating some clarity for ourselves around what we do want to move towards. And I think also when we talk about that roadmap idea, like we get the clarity, but then it's about the roadmap. That roadmap doesn't have to happen overnight. And I really love, I'm sure you've you've read Eat, Pray, Love, as I think most women have. (laughs) (laughs) Who is a 30-something year old woman without having read Eat, Pray, Love? (laughs) So good. I I remember reading it as, I went to Fiji on my first, as myself and my now husband's first holiday together. And I swear every single woman around the pool was reading Eat, Pray, Love. It was just, it was a moment. It was a vibe. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I was in Mauritius. So it seems to Why have are you? A, a tropical island yeah, effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So good. <laughs> but I love um, Liz Gilbert, who's the author of Eat, Pray, Love, um, said that for, I think she like celebrated it was something. Yeah, it would have been like the 10 year anniversary of Eat, Pray, Love a couple of years ago, because that would be about right. And she said that so many women, when she went and did like author events or speaking events, would come up to her and say, look, I really, I really want to do this, but I haven't got the money. You know, the idea of a year off to go to um, Bali and Italy and, oh my God, what was the other one? India. Oh, India. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, She said, they they said, you know, I just, I can't afford it. Like, how, how can I do this? And she would say to them back when she was doing the original promo for Eat, Pray, Love, 
just save $20. If $20 is all you can save a month, just do that. And if you've got some extra cash, put it in when you can. And it just, I almost burst into tears when she shared this in a podcast interview. I think it was with Oprah. And she said that 10 years later, so many women, like hundreds and hundreds of women have emailed her saying, you know, you said start that fund back in like 2000 and what was it? It would have been 2010. Mm. Well, I did that. And I've just come back from my own Eat, Pray, Love adventure. And I've got full body goosebumps just talking about that because it's the, you know, it took some of those women 10 years to make that happen, but they did it. So I think it's also about not expecting things to change overnight and that Mm -hmm. the smallest baby steps as you're moving away from something that's not serving you, they are the most courageous steps that you will ever, ever make in your life. So true. Because then you get momentum, you know, you decide to end the relationship or you decide to buy the URL for your side hustle. And then you've got something's in train, something's in motion, but getting started is the hardest. It's the hardest part of all. Yeah. And I think, do you think that's because of the self-belief aspect? That I think that's so. the hardest part? I think it's the self-belief. Because we talk ourselves um, down. So, and, do. or, and the worst is if you talk to comfortable friends or family um, you know, who can be amazing in many aspects of our lives, of course, please don't get me wrong. I, they're de- near and dear to me, but sometimes people with comfortable mindsets or who haven't taken those brave steps of their own can um, almost confirm your own negative bias and talk off the ledge mm. of your crazy, fabulous ideas um, 100%. You're with, so their right. own, with their own need to feel comfortable yeah. with what you're doing. And the other element, and I talked about this in the very, very outset of the book, because what I talked through is the seven toxic mindset blocks that hold women yes, back. Yes, I want to talk about those. And one of them I talk about, which you might remember because you, you've read the book. You're one of, the, I think you've read, like you're one of three people who've read the book Yay. so far. It's so cool. <laughs> and and something I talk about is that the people who love us want to keep us safe. Yes. So if we do want to start a business, and I remember lying on the beach in Bondi, sharing with my best friend at the time my idea for my business, and she just didn't get it. She was like, "Really, you want to do that?" Mm. and I you're right I started to question lying on the beach going oh my god am I crazy is this mental like but the fact is that she wanted to keep me safe um, yeah. because she didn't want to see me start this business and for it to fail and then for me to be absolutely heartbroken mm. about that exactly so yeah I think the people who love us want to keep us safe and they're not always the best people to surround us with fully when we are trying to make a big change so what I would really suggest that, that someone does, that if they are in that moment of self-doubt and they're trying to go create something that maybe their nearest and dearest haven't done yet or created yet, would be to surround themselves with people who have. And I don't mean like go make all your best mates be authors, but read other authors' books, read about the, the challenges that other people have experienced on that journey, because it's it's almost a, a, an opportunity to crowd out, you know, to, mm. to put so much good stuff in that there's less space for those other people's stories to, to kind of find chinks in your armour. Does that make sense? It totally does. And I think I'd add to that that in reading other people's stories, you see how common it is to have people doubting themselves but to still be taking brave steps. and to So you see the full um, picture warts and all, and I think we need more warts and all uh, uh, reality in our lives because... I think the self-help books of the 90s and early thousands were quite guru-esque and everything mm. was perfect. And then yes, it so left true, a isn't whole it? swath of us, you know, trying to recover from that Oprah generation of self-help books um, where it was really birthed um, as a concept of something that someone might want to read. 
we were all left feeling really imperfect, unbrave, bland, beige. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, oh my god, useless. Um, <laughs> um, but this generation, you know, I think of uh, you know the Glennon Doyle book. I think yeah, that is 100%, such, a fantastic, such a perfect example, fantastic example, mm. such an untidy life. Yeah. And yet so much. I love how you phrase things. I'm tidy. Yes. And such, so much goodness and strength and growth. And I think it's grittiness that we all seek because it feels gritty inside of you when you're having these thoughts. Um, And to then have the perfect thing put up in front of you is actually, as you said, you used this word before, incongruent with how you're actually feeling and therefore you feel even less like you might be able to make steps forward. So true. Mm. Can I just add a bill to that as well? Is that I think you're right. It's, it's reading about other people's stories and that it wasn't perfect and, and tidy. Love your language on that for them. So it's, it's partly that, but it's also when you're in that grittiness yourself and that self doubt and that mm. worry and that, holy shit, what have I done? <laughs> this is never going to work. I'm useless. I'm hopeless. Like all of that negative, you know, as Melissa Ambrosini says, that inner mean girl crap that comes up. Yeah. What I really love to do in that horrible moment is remind myself that one day someone else is going to be going through exactly what I'm going through now and I'll be able to help them through it because I've been through it myself. And that gives me the added almost like rocket up my ass to mm. get through it. Yeah, um, nice. And I mean, I can't even tell you like from writing a book to we had we had two miscarriages between our two children And even in the pain of those miscarriages, knowing that one day I would speak to another woman who was having that experience and be able to help her purely by me having survived it, that, that was, um, there was some God's grace in that, in that thought for me in those moments. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I, I sometimes use the analogy in Golotox, um, the uh, e-course that helps people ditch all their toxins, is that like we're all climbing this rope. No one's better. No one's arrived at the end. No one's perfect. But if you're a little bit further along, then you can pass your hand back and pull someone up. Um, and then there are people who know more than you that you can. So it keeps you humble, keeps you compassionate towards people who haven't quite had the same um exposures lessons mm. understandings and it also keeps you motivated because yeah. it's an extra motivation to keep love the rope idea of mm. climbing up the rope because you know that the further up the rope you get the more you can help people who are behind you on the rope for sure it's we something um, it's almost like an ex- extrinsic motivation you know or a, yeah. an altruistic motivation rather than a purely being about ourselves and our own self-betterment and mm. and i think prosperity box, and all of the things that box ticked for women really helps us yeah feel good does. about growth and achievement I think yeah. because it's bigger than us yeah exactly and, and it's not selfish I think that's the other pitfall mm. that women fall into is that well if I focus on myself or prioritize myself that it's selfish mm. I think that's shifting though I feel like women like Lennon Doyle talking about that idea of giving ourselves permission to not to people please I think that's I think the the narrative's shifting on that but I think it's yeah. a good way to go Mm -hmm. And I read this amazing quote the other day. I've been tidying up my business and and thinking about um, next steps and uh, letting some things go, bringing some things in, getting clarity. And one of the things that I read the day I had made a decision about something quite big uh, was um, don't keep making a mistake you know about just because it's been a long time that you've been making that mistake. Mm -hmm. So the idea of like, don't, you know, don't 
don't keep going. Like you don't yeah. have to keep going. You know it's a, it's not right. Yeah. Um, well, it's, it's some cost fallacy, isn't it? We think yeah. we've already put so much. It's like people who um, someone in my family has, has trained in medicine and he's done that for 20, 30 years and doesn't necessarily enjoy it hugely. Uh, but he he's done it for so long that you know, he's put so much time into it and so much energy into it mm-hmm. that it's that idea, well, I kind of just need to keep going. So I think it's, it's similar. I love that. Yeah. Okay. So you did briefly mention the, the truth bombs earlier and gave an example of one, but I'd love for you to pick out a couple of extra ones because I think these truth bombs uh, really help set the stage for doing the work to then step into a life that feels more congruent, where we feel really deeply connected to ourselves and to a sense of hesitant to use the word purpose because I think purpose changes in reason seasons lifetimes but um that feeling of flow that you were talking about at the beginning where you're in the driver's seat of your life mm. god I'm actually flicking through the book because I'm so <laughs> passionate about every single one of them I'm like oh which what one would it be will she choose mm. um <laughs> I actually think a big one is it comes back to worthiness. I feel like we've skirted around worthiness so far in our chat. So I'll yeah. talk to that one if that's okay. Please do. And that whole sense of, um, you know, I don't deserve better. Like, and it goes back to that gratefulness, you know, well, I should be happy because I've got X, Y, Z. And, and I think it comes back to worthiness as well. It's, you know, I, I, and, and I first came across this in my business. So I've got a, a mastermind group for, for established entrepreneurs and that group, there was a couple of people who were really, really struggling with getting the right admin support in their business. And, and I had this kind of light bulb moment of going, hang on, the reason you've been struggling with this for, holy crap, like five years in one case, it's not because you haven't found the right person and it's not because the, the role is wrong. It's that you don't actually fundamentally believe that you're worthy of having really great support in your business. And once that shifted for that person, she hired an incredible person in, in her business. So I think it comes back to that worthiness and one of our, I'm sure you're aware of um, Revy Jane, who's an, an amazing author and I mean, all of the things, she's just incredible entrepreneur. And she, her whole platform that she's building is on working on worthiness, that whole idea of reminding ourselves each day that, that we are worthy. And, and I think it's hard for women, I think, especially to do because it feels almost like indulgent, indulgent or trying to think what's the opposite of humble, arrogant, maybe, Mm, or selfish. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's coming back to that idea of just reminding ourselves that we're worthy. And and for a lot of us, that's going to be, that's going to be a daily practice to whether it's worthiness to have the money that we want to have in our lives, or it's worthiness to have the relationship that we want, or to have the relationship with our kids that we want, or the, the, the worthiness to have the eat, pray, love adventure, or just even have next Monday off because we feel like we're, we're a bit fried and, and we need some time to recharge. I think that worthiness piece, mm. because for me and worthiness, there's an element of permission as well. It's giving ourselves permission to strike out and create whatever it is that we want to not create, but to have whatever we want to have in our lives. Does that make sense? Yeah, just, absolutely. To the dots on that, that worthiness around permission, when we feel worthy enough, we give ourselves permission to go out and, and make the goals happen. And we limit the scope for us to self-sabotage. Mm. I've just so, connected some dots as I'm talking to you on this. So <laughs> need to rewrite the book already. <laughs> <laughs> I know that feeling. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So self-sabotage then. I feel like we need to just talk a little more directly to that. Um, you talked about that client having the clarity moment and there's that word again. Sometimes half the battle is actually getting to the clarity point. Um 
so her self-sabotage was a, a feeling of like, oh, my God, me having support, you know, why do I deserve that? Um, what are some of the other things you've bumped into in your mentoring experience uh, for clients where the worthiness and the self-sabotage mm. show up again? I think just to go back to that mentee uh, who was, who's, who's focusing on building her profile at the moment, like she knows that posting on LinkedIn really helps her business. Like she's told me that that works brilliantly, but she just got in her own way and self-sabotaged because she started to really get some success with clients reaching out to her and wanting to work with her. And, and this is the thing with self-sabotage. It makes no sense. Like on a logical set level, it's like, why, why would we do that? So she knows that posting on LinkedIn helps her, but she doesn't do it because she's self-sabotaging because almost the idea of having that success and giving herself the permission to enjoy that success in her business. It's like, it's too, it's, it's scary. It's intimidating. So I think that that's one. And then to, I think something that really helps is to have someone to talk through like that, the, what we are doing and, and to call us on our old bullshit essentially, which is, I think, which is my role, but something I also do. And I've, I've done this for about 12 years now is kinesiology because what happens with kinesiology, what I've learned from it over the last decade, just over a decade is that, self-sabotage begins on an unconscious level it's something yes I see it like almost like it's bubbling up I see it it as a nervous it's like a nervous system response Mm. a self-protective fight or flight that's exactly it yeah Mm. so it's bubbling on an unconscious level it starts to bubble up to the subconscious level and then if we don't nix it on either of those levels then it comes up to a conscious level which is when we start acting out on it Mm. so that's when we we stop posting on LinkedIn or we a uh, really interesting way that I see people self-sabotaging is not sending their invoices. I'm talking about entrepreneurs here for a minute. Oh, my sellers. goodness. Yeah. You know, like it's like oh, they've got like two months of invoices banked up because somewhere on a subconscious level, they don't feel like they're worthy of having the money that they want to have. So they've got all these invoices banked up. And uh, another one be, and I've seen this happen, and I've done this myself a number of times in my own business where someone's really, really keen to work with me. And I procrastinate for like two, three, even four weeks on getting back to them. So it shows up in so many different ways. Another way that I think a lot of your listeners will probably identify with um, that that sorry that self sabotage shows up is procrastination, like putting off the stuff that we know is going to help us in future. So it could be as simple as not updating our resume if we're potentially looking for a new role. It's it's not having the difficult conversation with a client who's maybe we're over servicing massively or. It's just that the relationship isn't working because we, on some level, were afraid that if we did sort that out, then we'd have no more excuses that we'd have to go and and create what it is we want to create. Oh, so so yes. I think that the procrastination yeah. is a, and it, you know, it's kind of like it's we'd put all this stuff in a blender and whiz it up because you know there's self doubt in there, there's perfectionism, yeah. like we just whiz <laughs> it all up and make. I'm actually sipping a smoothie as we're talking. Yeah. You know, we, we make a. <laughs> A mindset block smoothie because they're all so tightly interrelated yeah. as well. So it's almost like you pull out one and then the whole thing starts to come apart and you find something else to work on and something else to work on. And that's kind of the name of the game, isn't it? That constant mm-hmm. evolution and growth as a person, that growth mindset. Absolutely. And I think for stay-at-home parents who, you know, I've, I've worked with quite a few women over the years who are wanting to start a, a business um, bring in some income either for themselves or contribute to the family finances. Uh, really passionate in the low tox space. Uh, I'm working with a few right now and uh, 
something I see is, oh, I just don't have time to move forward. But then we look at, we do a calendar analysis and there's the answer. It's the give, 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 give. And then that's actually a form of procrastination because if I'm being helpful out there, I'm needed out there, then I never actually have to see whether I might be able to make this a success. Yeah, that's so powerful. I love that. Mm. And I think the other thing as well, it's it's I love the calendar analysis idea. And I think it's also beyond the calendar analysis. It's stuff that doesn't go in the calendar, like the 30 minutes of scrolling Instagram, for example. Mm. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine if we put everything in the calendar? I, would, I think it would be frightening. If we color coded it and put Instagram in there, <laughs> a social media of choice, you holy crap. But I think yeah. that's another thing as well to think about. I, and I really like the idea of creating before we consume. I think yes, that's we are a, so a wonderful dependent. gem from Marie Folio, isn't is it? Is that who yeah. it's from? I, I didn't yes. thank you. I did. I, I remember she just credited she to. put it up um, one morning and then it was the Business Chicks event where she was speaking um, and uh, being interviewed. And oh, it was her thing? number one tip. It was mm-hmm. the number one tip. Wake up. What can you create before you start consuming things? Yeah. What do you really want to make? So um, good. And it's if so, you don't so know, simple. like morning pages, you know, start Journaling. start just yeah. seeing what comes out. Yeah, that's mm. exactly it. I loved that. So I think the the calendar analysis, I think, is a brilliant tip that you shared. And the, 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 the build, I guess, that I would make on that as well is it's what's not going in the calendar. Like what are the things that are taking up time? Almost like those insidious things like the you know, the, the Instagram scroll has has creep you know it, it takes up a lot more time than yes. we expect it to and um, so I think it's just applying that lens to what what can you create before you start consuming the work of others yeah I, I yeah <laughs> we don't even need to say anything yeah. more about that okay <laughs> <It's> so <closed. laughs> worthiness and give me one more I think you've already touched on this one as well but I wanted to highlight it again is that sense of Whatever our current problem is, that we're alone on that in that, and we are the the freaky exception, the one in ten million people who are having that problem. And just before you and I spoke, I was filling out a a Q and A for Booktopia, um, who I know you know, know and love as well. So, uh, one of the questions, which I think was a really really clever question, is is what do you hope someone gets out of your book? And something that I realized only in writing my response to that was the sense of that the reader isn't alone. That if you're experiencing, I've got a whole chapter on my sex life. So <laughs> yes, I saw someone that. Someone said to me, like, you're going to send your book to your family in Ireland. I was like, no, my family is not getting this particular book. No way. But, you know, I had so much worry about my sex drive. If you, if, and I know this is not related to business at all, but I had so much angst about that last year. And when I went exploring and and and, and learning and educating and, and, and sitting with myself on it, I realized like I'm not alone on that. And I shared a podcast episode last year, which, holy God, I was so terrified putting out there. But I received, I would say, at least a thousand messages from women saying, thank you so much for putting that out there. I know I'm not alone. But, you know, that's just sex, right? There's also finances, there's business, there's parenting. So that's why I really love putting my struggles <laughs> into my books, because I want to reassure someone that they're not they're not alone. So one of the, the mindset blocks that I address really early on in the book is, like you're not special. And I mean that with the kind in the mm. kindest possible way that 100%. you think whatever you're struggling with right now, you're alone on that. And you're the magical unicorn who's having that experience. And you're not. No, <laughs> but really I love not. what you do, though. So there's peace in that. Yeah, there is. But I think the gold, if we can move on from peace, is mm-hmm. that you also actually do the work 
to make, to improve things, to develop, to expand. Um, and often humans console themselves with, oh, I'm not alone. This is shit for everyone. And then it's just a big whinge fest of victimhood. Just stay in the pity party. Yeah. 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 (laughs) But I think what you're putting out there is, yeah, it can suck. Uh, And, you know, life has different aspects that dip and, um, you know, uh, but we can actually work on them and make things better. This is how I did it when things sucked for me. Um, If that helps you, then brilliant. That's true. It's just but, breaking out of that cycle. It's, it's interrupting yeah. our own pity party mm-hmm. pattern, yeah. essentially. Pity party pattern. Try yep. saying that twice <laughs> after a couple of tequilas. <laughs> um, okay. So something you talk about in the book uh, that I, I really like is um, the, the motivation piece. Mm. You know, a couple of people have picked up on this already. I think this is going uh-huh. to be something bigger. Yeah, sorry, continue. Yes, uh, and the reason I wanted to mention it, I think it's in Chapter 3, um, where um, you you actually practically take people through the art of motivation, I would like mm. to say, because it is actually, I feel, you're presenting it as a learned skill rather than something you need to magically find out of thin air, especially women, hormones, different phases in the cycle, Um, maybe having a testosterone dip, maybe you're having a cortisol drop or, you know, there's so many different biological reasons that motivation isn't naturally there at different points in our life and our cycle. But I feel like in your book you're actually helping us not ignore but transcend the sometimes reality of the human body and still actually feel a deep sense of motivation. So I wanted to sort of see how you developed a strong sense of motivation for yourselves, for yourself and what that looks like day to day. Um, Yeah. I think because people genuinely feel like, Oh my God, where, where does she find the motivation? That's yeah. one of those real comparison items. It is, isn't it? It's so it's so many people so say mo- to me, "You must be so motivated." <laughs> I, or I wish I was as motivated as you. Uh-huh. And and I yeah. think what I and I I feel what I've done in that chapter, and I thought it was really really important to address this, is to almost like debunk the idea of of motivation because I think when we say, "Okay, I'll wait till I'm motivated," you're kind of waiting for this little sprinkly genie to come in, and you know scatter some petals of motivation on us and then we'll write the book Mm. or then we'll start Mm -hmm. the business and so then we'll create the online program or then we'll look for a new job or then we'll have the conversation with our partner yeah so it's kind of like how we hear I will be happy when um it's almost like I will be motivated when When, is like the new thing yeah and my publisher Fiona put it so well we were chatting about this um last week and she said it's almost like we see motivation as being extrinsic or external to us, you Mm -hmm. know, and we're kind of waiting for all the motivation stars to align. And then we will do, as you said, if, when I have this, I will do this. Yeah. So I think that's very disempowering, I think, because it puts all the responsibility or the the duty of care almost over on this external Mm. vision of whatever, whatever. um, Yeah. We're waiting for it to arrive. Yeah. It's like, are you here yet? You know, checking your watch. (laughs) Looking for your tracking, your tracking code yeah. from Australia Post type thing. <laughs> so I think that, so I don't think we should aim to be motivated, I guess is what I'm saying here. Instead, what I would replace it with is we need to be disciplined. So we need to show up and make whatever we want to make happen, happen. Whether, as I said, it's writing a book or starting an online program or creating a membership model like you've created in, in your business. So 
that that discipline I see as being internal. Like it's something that I can dictate how disciplined I am. It's very difficult for me to dictate how motivated I'm going to wake up and be like today, for example, um, I wasn't feeling hugely motivated this morning because I had a massive day yesterday. We had like four hours of photos to, I mean, I know this sounds hard. <laughs> They're probably listening going, Lorraine, that's not hard. <laughs> oh, you know, running around the city, changing outfits every five seconds, you know, dodging rain, all that kind of thing. And then I recorded, I've got a bonus program as part of um, the Step Into You book. I've created a, a bonus program. So I was recording that in the middle of a thunderstorm. I was like, go, 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 you know, back, feed the baby, look after Lexi. My husband's away for a couple of days. Like it was just full on. So I woke up tired this morning and not feeling especially motivated. And um, so things that would normally drop if I wasn't feeling motivated is like the morning meditation. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, Lorraine, you're feeling tired, but you've got the discipline. You know, it's good for you to meditate every morning. Just make it happen. So I sat there and I'm like, so annoying when you disturb your kid when you're getting up early and then you disturb one of the children Uh and then she like Lexi who's four and a half at the moment comes tottering down the stairs I'm like shit that was the motivation time so I sat there (laughs) meditating on the sofa while she's reading where's Wally loudly next to me but I had the noise cancelling headphones on and and I did it you know so I could have said this morning I'm not going to meditate because you know I'm quite tired like I had a big day yesterday and Lexi's up so but that that comes back to that internal governance almost of that sovereignty of now I, I need to to meditate because I know it's good for me I love so that I think word that's what I would governance just to mm. governance yeah it's, it's self-leadership that's what I talk about discipline is self-leadership so this morning I demonstrated self-leadership to myself and just got the 10 minute meditation done it wasn't the best motivation meditation I've ever done I didn't like transcend to the heavens but I got you know I, I did it you know I did 10 minutes of meditation I felt I felt marginally better after it and then I felt much better after I kind of get into the flow of my day so what I'm saying is if we are waiting for the motivation fairy to come visit chances are we're going to be waiting a long time but what we can do in the meantime because the motivation does still come we get excited we get especially when we get that clarity about where we're going next that I believe unlocks a huge amount of motivation and um, but what we can do in the meantime is we can we can be disciplined yeah. Does that answer your question? It absolutely does. And I think discipline is something we can build into our daily life as a practice, as a muscle that gets stronger. And yes, it's, it's a framework rather than mm-hmm. a mysterious thing that we hope comes to visit us one day. Yeah, like fingers crossed, I'm motivated today. Like, mm. no, <laughs> it's not effective. <laughs> I tried, believe me, doesn't work. <laughs> okay, so my next question around discipline then is obviously these days uh, we can have whatever we want whenever we want it. Oh, I need a new bra. Oh, yeah, I'm in the middle of a newsletter. Oh, yeah, but, like, you know, I remembered I need a new bra now, so I'm going to jump online. And, you know, everything is just so easy to move off of and over onto, and then where was I again? And then, you know, to get distracted by the infinite choice of living in this time. Um, Does that make discipline harder, do you think? Or uh, do we just simply need to raise our consciousness around the importance of it more so that it remains a a focus for us? I, I definitely think it makes it harder. Mm. you know even now if I sit down I try to read like a three or four page article in a magazine or newspaper like that's so difficult sometimes because we're so used to consuming things in bite-sized pieces on Mm. Instagram or WhatsApp messages or you know cutesy little emails that we get from from influences we love so I definitely think it makes it harder um 
And I think, yeah, I like your idea of raising the consciousness of it. You know, it's it's still important to be disciplined and make things happen. But that said, I would say maybe in a way it makes things easier. So I know for me, I use an app to time my meditations, for example, and that's that makes my life easier to make that discipline happen. Does that make sense? Because mm-hmm. it tracks my meditation. I can tell how many days out of the last week I meditated for. I can tell how long I meditated for. And the app also has this really cute little check-in now. So when you first open the app in the morning, it asks how you're feeling. So you can start to track your mindset and why, why you're oh, feeling nice. like that. It's pretty smart. It's inside timer. It's really cool. Mm. Um, so I think there's, there's the, the detractor of all the, the, the immediacy and the accessibility of everything is that it does, as you said, you kind of start to surf rather than diving deep into things. But also I think it's just recognizing the benefit that all the, these different tools can offer us in, in staying disciplined. Um, like I just got, I, I, I avoided the smartwatch thing for so long. And then I got so jealous of, I know Stacy, Stacy's one of our, our, our friends in common, our mutual friends. And I got so jealous of her garment that I was like, I really want one. <laughs> and you know, that's been so helpful for me just to track, you know, steps and say, okay, well, you haven't hit your step count today. So just go for a 15 minute walk around the block after dinner. And so I think it's the pros and cons. You know, I don't want to say, you know, the tech and the immediacy of everything is making things so much harder because in ways, it does make things easier to be disciplined as well. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. More tools. yeah. And so we've talked about a few themes and there've been quite a few examples around work life and starting business. Um, but I believe Step Into You is equally valuable to uh, women in the sense that when we become parents, we're still very much the, the primary caregivers if you look at the statistics. Yeah. Um, and certainly for the first year, uh, the primary caregiver of, yep. of the little bubbas. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. In it right now. And, and that can be an experience in itself of stepping, of feeling like we're not ourselves, um, but really it is a role shift and a, a new role. So that can be part of why we don't feel ourselves is because we're doing something completely new. How do you think women can navigate that part of their lives and make sure that we stay true to who we are or or find a way to to dip back into that because a lot of women feel all of a sudden completely unworthy of our own quality time with ourselves of quiet of space Mm. and I would say we get out of that we we almost forget what it's like to have that space Mm. does that make sense like it's like you know the the frog boiling slowly in water you know we just forget we lose it's just like a daily thing we get so uh, increasingly day by day we get so disconnected from it that we don't actually know what what it feels like to be us in our in our truest essence and I hosted a a retreat in February um, last year in Noosa and as part of the retreat it was like a three-night four-day retreat and in the afternoon, I made sure that the women on the retreat had four hours of just time to themselves. Holy crap, Alex. The first day when I said, okay, it's lunchtime. And then lunchtime's finished. I sound like a teacher. You can go do your own thing for four hours. Three of them were back in the room within 20 minutes going, Lorraine, I honestly don't know what to do with myself. Like it's been so long. It was actually, I mean, it was quite confronting. But then, I mean, you can imagine those same women after day three were like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I remembered who I am again. It was really cool. So I think, I mean, and you know, I I put up my hand jokingly as as you were asking me that question because we're on video talking and, you know, I'm in that right now. Like I've I've got a five-month-old in the next door, in the next room. He's going to need to be fed quite soon. He's with his nanny next door. And so I get it. And I, I feel like a few different things. I think one is to do what you can. 
So, and, and this is, I was worried about this when I had Lexi because um, I'd written the book, I was running the business, I was zipping around the world, but also I was sleeping. Like we had a unicorn baby who slept through from six weeks old. And, and so many women messaged me said like, how are you doing this? Like, I'm so sleep deprived. I'm like, love, I'm sleeping, <laughs> you know? So, so do what you can. I think it's, it's very easy. I mean, I, I actually think parenting and motherhood is one of the easiest traps to fall into in terms of that comparisonitis. So I think it's just doing what you can in the days that you have. I will also say though that the time doesn't just happen anymore when, when you have, have a family, as you will know, Alex. I mean, you're, you're at a different life stage to me right now in terms of you know, how old he is. You and, can kind yeah. of like mm. not be supervised 24 seven. Mm. <laughs> when I talk to friends, they're like, yeah, the kids just go to the cinema together. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I know. One I've day just, I won't have to be with them all the time. <laughs> I have just arrived at that stage. I'm oh. still nervous and like checking in with him, but it really is uh, a newfound freedom. I mean, here I am podcasting, not having to guiltily stick him in his room with some drawing and, and an iPad um, that's finished now. And it's actually really quite lovely and to, lovely to see them develop into their own independent people. But yeah, it is it is tricky, that stage of, of motherhood, um, just to actually even feel worthy of having the... Um, uh, of the exercise of stepping into yourself and yeah. taking time for yourself. Yeah. And, 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 and let's be clear, whatever that looks like for you, like it yes. might be keeping up your weekly yoga class or it might be having time to journal, or it might be time to just go call a friend and not have to be, you know, hanging up the phone every five seconds because the kids almost kill themselves yet again, mm. <laughs> playing with the toys or they've nearly killed each other if they're, <laughs> they're arguing. So I think it's, so first of all, I think it's just meeting yourself where you're at and and doing what you can date on a day-to-day basis. The second thing I would say as well is just remembering, and you've just given me a reminder of that, is it's it's just a season. It's it's not going to be like that forever. Because I know for me, when I get into my my negative loops around parenting and, and the, the dependency. So we've gone from having a four-year-old who is freakishly independent, who pretty much wants to do everything for herself and makes herself snacks in the night and everything to having a tiny baby again, like that's been like, whoa, there's been a bit of whiplash for that experience because we, we were so beyond that and then we're back in it, which is, you know, beautiful as well. Um, so I think the other thing is just accepting that it is, it's a season for where you're at right now. And then the other thing I would say as well, which I was starting to talk about a second ago, is that the time doesn't just fall out of trees anymore in order to do this. We need to be very, very intentional about it. So we need to sit down and plan our week with our partners if we have a partner and say, okay, look, this is, Wednesday night, I want to go do yoga and, and, and there needs to be, it's annoying and it's boring and it's so not sexy, but it's just having that conversation and that plan in place so that you do know that there's almost a container yeah. of space and time for you to be you. Mm. So the last thing I want to ask you is about making me stick. So when you, like, you know, I totally get what you're talking about. We make all these efforts to uh, find ourselves, step into mm. ourselves, feel a sense of flow, you know, building the discipline in so that we're actually realizing some of those goals uh, that we have once we've got the clarity, we're articulating them, we're getting on with it. Um, how do we make the me stick? Mm, that is such a beautiful question. I've got a whole chapter on that in the book because that's the thing. I feel only half the only half the puzzle is the plan. And, you know, mm-hmm. this is everything I'm going to do. And this is me. And I'm going to be amazing. Future Alex is going to be amazing. Mm. The other half is what What do we need to do in order to get us to future Alex? You know, yeah. we, we talk about the roadmap, but then it's like, okay, we'll need to get in the car and drive. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> to get yeah. to, to start to following the roadmap. So there's a few different tips, just um, quick tips that I'd share. First of all, like start really small. Like I really like the idea back in my agency days of under promising and over delivering. Mm-hmm. Like it's much better to show up and do a four minute meditation every day than try and attempt a 25 minute one straight away. If you're not, if, if you don't already have an existing meditation practice. So my first tip would be just to start small. And, and I also like the idea. Second tip would be to layer these different habits and these different goals. Like, I don't think it's a good idea to say, I'm going to sort out my relationship and I'm going to get my side hustle going to be a full-time hustle. And I'm going to be like super spiritual. You know, it's just too much. And it's also very vague. It is super vague. You're so Mm. right. So I think it's much better to like pinpoint specific areas and focus on them. And then once you feel like, I don't say you've got it under control, but once you feel like you've got the momentum in that area, only then should we shift over and start to, to, to focus on different areas. And um, Jack Delosa, who's one of my brilliant friends and awesome entrepreneur, he said years ago, until your first business is making a million dollars, don't start a second one. Mm. You know, because that's the thing. We, we get distracted. We're, we're doing really well. And it's not to say that everyone wants to have a million dollar business. It's obviously just a term of phrase, a turn of phrase. But it's, you know, until we feel like we've gotten success or momentum on one area, we shouldn't be jumping onto others. So yeah. And I think that's a great, yeah, it's a great theme to extract from what he said. You know, it's definitely not everyone's goal. Mm -hmm. Some of the people I speak to where you're really clear on wanting to start a lifestyle business, it's talking about two or 300 extra dollars a week. Yeah. And And that's that's completely fine and life changing if that's what your goal is. Yeah. Um, So the common extractable theme is there. Don't get distracted by something else once you've got something up and running just because it's up and running. Yeah. Um, The the bright, shiny thing, you know, Mm. I think I think it's also about like don't get complacent. Don't just assume that it's all going to tick along long easily because that's what your intention so I reckon start small and layer gradually and then I I talk in the book about having a fuck-up plan (laughs) so what I mean by that is because how often have we done this you know I'm on the cleanse and oh I just have like this ice cream at dinner on Saturday night and then the next day you're like oh well I'm off it anyway like I'll just you know stay (laughs) off it (laughs) might as well make pancakes yeah exactly (laughs) let's go let's go all out so I think it's the whole idea of just having the fuck up plan like just because you've fucked up and I know that's that's blunt language but you know what I mean just because we've we've stuffed up in some way it doesn't mean that all is lost it's like okay fuck up plan okay we're going to eat clean tomorrow and get back on the wagon and and keep going that's Mm. just a cleanse example it could be anything like yeah anything so I think that's the other thing as well like all's not lost just because of because of one speed wobble yeah absolutely and to kind of recognize back to that um untidiness Mm. analogy from earlier things are untidy untidy things are going to happen a mess is going to happen yeah um but just like we then tidy up a house or have a declutter session of our closet we can do that with anything that we're trying Mm. to put into place in a more permanent way yeah that's exactly mm. it. Love that. Oh, I love it. I could Lorraine, talk to you all day, my dear. I know. Awesome. You're a gem of a human. I Loved love it. this book. Thank you. Back at you. Um, I know we used a lot of business examples today, guys. We but did. Really... That was kind of, I think it was just because you're in business too. So I kind of I started know. talking our lingo. Yes. Yeah. And I just want anyone who's out there listening to feel that this is not necessarily about starting a business per se at all, or even developing one that you have anyone is going to feel the benefit of this book. And I think if you've read those Elizabeth Gilbert books, um, Glennon Doyle, big US kind of titles, uh, I think this is actually, for me, a very practical book that doesn't just 
paint the picture of this incredibly huge uh, experience of life and how inspiring that is. Like you go to a conference and you hear a keynote, but it was so inspiring and you were so inspired and the euphoria ends and then you have absolutely no idea what you yeah. want to do. <laughs> I know. Your book for me is actually the I've left the conference and now I have a plan type That's book. exactly what I, yes, boom. That's exactly what I wanted it to be. It's like, mm. yeah, I'm inspired and here's what to do with it. Yeah. Exactly. That's the intention for sure. So thank you for writing it. Thank and you, thank, uh, you, thank for you for being it. my first guest of the year. <laughs> happy 2022, everyone. Yeah, happy year. Well, there you have it. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. And I want to remind you that you can come join me on social on Instagram at Lotox Life or one word, or my personal Instagram uh, at underscore. Alex with two X's, Stuart, S-T-U-A-R-T. On Facebook, you can find us at Lotox Life uh, and, of course, lotoxlife.com. And if you want additional support and community around leading a Lotox Life, I can't recommend a better thing to do than to come join us at the Lotox Club for just $49 Australian per year which is about 29.30 US, about 27 euro and about 25 pounds, you get a stack of club member perks and the benefit of a beautiful private Facebook community. So check out the website, lotoxlife.com, hit the explore tab and you'll see join the Lotox Club as your very first option there. I hope to see you in there. If not, I will see you in our wider community sometime soon. Thanks again for tuning in.